0: Today's theme is thrillers and horror. (laughs) Your panellists on today's show, four-time Bram Stoker Award winner, Horror Writers Association Mentor of the Year, co-founder of Young New Zealand Writers, New Zealand Society of Authors, honorary literary fellow, please welcome back the horrifically talented Lee Murray. (laughs) And as if that wasn't enough, he's an award-winning journalist who's worked in more than 60 countries war zones and was once jailed on suspicion of being a runaway slave. Please welcome back the Matscofield. Matt Schofield. And a reminder that we're all streaming now on uh, YouTube, Facebook and Twitter. LinkedIn too, I think, actually. Um, if you are watching us live right now on any of those, do take part in the show that's starting right now. Our first submission of the day. it comes from Len. It's a thriller. That's the theme this week. And it's called Yucatan Channel, a Nick Sanchez thriller. Hmm. This is Len's blurb. Swarthy, successful Tampa lawyer Nick Sanchez drops everything to engage in a dangerous race against time to rescue his impulsive teenage Cuban nephew, Lazaro, who was shanghai by an evil Cuban doctor and taken to a secret island lair where he is to be the subject of an almost certainly fatal medical experiment. Hmm. Let me tell everybody about you, Len. Um, I'm a retired trial lawyer, stereo artist and writer of thriller novels. I'm curious about everything. A prerequisite, actually, for being an author, I think. I I can just sit still, you say. Uh, I've travelled worldwide, flown airplanes, scuba-dived, deep-sea fished, operated a glass-blank studio, struggled at golf and tennis. How appropriate today. Um, you name it. Husband, father and grandfather. Nick Sanchez, a swarthy 40-ish Florida lawyer, is my alter ego. Hmm. In the first book, Tongue of the Ocean... Tongue of the Ocean. Uh, Nick finds himself in the crosshairs of his corrupt boss who's out to eliminate him uh, when Nick discovers a colossal, deadly insurance scam. It has excellent reviews, uh, says Len, on Amazon. And I think you'll get to give this reading an excellent
1: review too, because it's from John. Yucatan Channel by Len Vincente Read by John Prologue Lazaro Sanchez lurked motionless in the darkness behind the dilapidated bait shack at the end of the dock, waiting for the boat to arrive to take him out of Cuba 125 miles across the Yucatan Channel to Mexico. It had cost him 7,000 US dollars to pay the smuggler to drive him four hours from Havana to the seedy little town of Arroyos de la Mantua, on the island's western tip, but of course there was no guarantee the boat would show up at all. All he had to rely on was information he had gathered off the back streets of Old Havana, that the shady facilitator El Cabron, who had set up the deal, despite the vulgarity of his moniker, was reliable and could be trusted. Lazaro had his cell phone, but he was too far from Rio Pinar to call anyone, if he should become stuck here and have to ditch the plan. Around 2am he heard the low rumble of an engine. A decrepit wooden trawler, showing no lights, appeared out of the darkness and pulled alongside the dock, a man stepped off the boat and lit up a cigar, the match lighting up the blackness of the night like a flare. Lazaro did not know if the man was El Capron, or maybe somebody else. A few seconds later the man struck another match, as if to indicate his cigar had to be relit. Two flares. That was the signal. Three or four other figures appeared out of the shadows and made their way onto the dock. Lazaro stepped out from his concealment behind the shed and followed him. The man spoke hurriedly. Precio amigos. Tenuous caille saffere, vamos. Let's go. 1. Everything was going great for me. All the pieces seemed to be in place. Well, almost all the pieces. I am still practising law. Sort of. I have an office. But I only go there when I feel like it. The best thing I ever did was to partner up with Londi Francolino. She's an absolute dynamo and the best trial lawyer I have ever run across. I've known Lundy for quite a while. She earned her stripes as a prosecutor in the state attorney's office, until she was hired away by the ubiquitous PI sweatshop, Monroe & Monroe. They worked her slavishly, but paid her well. But when I approached the subject of her coming to work with me, she jumped at the opportunity. It is a perfect match. Networking and rainmaking are not her strong suits, and she is somewhat of a loner. Consequently, she has few local connections. If it were up to her, she would live in the office. Tampa is my home, and I've lived here all my life, so I know everybody. I have more cases than I can handle and still find time to follow my real passion, sailing my classic 35-foot marine friendship sloop, Laughing Gull. Lundy has never complained about her workload, and she doesn't mind my frequent absences. She says it beats the hell out of her last job, where she had the answer to the junior partners. Who had to answer to the senior partners, who answered to the office manager, who ultimately answered to the king of the castle, Benjamin Monroe, the nation's premier ambulance chaser. When I got to her office in Ybor City, Lundy was in the library busily jotting on a yellow legal pad surrounded by piles of books and papers. Her laptop sat blinking away across the table. Good morning councillor, I said. It's nice to see someone is minding the store. Trial coming up? No. Just meditation tomorrow. Yeah, the Vesper case, right? I'd ask if he needed any help, but I already know the answer. I at least try to keep up with what's going on in the office. I'm not that much of a slouch. What you mean, Nick, is you don't care what's going on so long as I'm here to cover for you. So what brings you in today and so early? One of the many things I love about you, Londi, you don't cut me any slack. Thank you very much, Johnny,
0: and uh, apologies, Len, for the slight cock-up at the beginning there. But I think I think we got we got there in the end. Let's see what the genius room have been saying. Um, some formatting uh, questions. Writing is engaging, says Annie. Uh, not sure why it's in italics if we already know it's a prologue. Yeah, I, that kind of. That got me too, actually. Uh, Stacey, curious about formatting. My brain is trying to figure out why everything's in italics. Hannah's saying that too. Um, and Johnny says, I, I, I felt the pull... Let's say it's our narrator. I felt the pull out of the prologue drop the tension. I felt that too. Very confident writing, says Pamela Joe. Smooth. I wasn't sure um, of the blurb, but this delivers. And Barbara says, shall we talk about the font? I think quite a few people have already. Probably was more engaging than the first chapter, says Annie. Um, Stacy. writing sounds lovely, at least to me, but the uh, first chapter is quite slow. Will it speed up? Isn't this a thriller? Um, and um, Hannah agrees with uh, Annie. Uh, Annie agrees with Hannah, who says maybe just me. But though the writing is fluid, it's not hooking me in. And of course, we do need thrillers to do that. I wonder why you thought uh, thought of that, Lee.
2: Yeah, I think I um, agree with what everyone in the genius room has said. Actually, I felt that the prologue had a little bit more going for it than the chapter, um, which I felt particularly the the um, the conversation, the dialogue was was not real. And it's it's a strange thing isn't it? Because with writing, dialogue isn't real. It's a simulation no, of dialogue. Is. But this Took this felt yes. a little bit.
3: Yeah, um, exactly.
2: Exposition-y it sort of didn't, I thought, who would say this? Would he say yeah. this? You know, would she say this? And um you know, and we'd already heard all that information. We already knew she was a workaholic so it sort of was a bit repetitive so I think that's potentially why people have said in a genius room that it felt a bit slow and it's because we weren't learning anything particularly new in the dialogue than we'd already learned in the in the text so um but i did like the first part and i i felt there was could be a little bit more tension a little bit more um you know what were the stakes you know um if we knew a little bit more about what he had to lose uh and exactly where he was going the inciting incident could have been in there you know just why he was going you know why there what there was this need to be in this shady place but the yeah. writing, as other, everyone says, the, in general, the the style is great. The voice is there. There you is know, we've voice. we've got the yeah. we've got the voice of this characters. So I think it has a lot to commend it. I just think perhaps it needs a bit of a polish and a tighten up in the which chapter, you know, ha, if you're going to jump in, how much backstory you need to go into. Before, can you can you eke that out along the way, yeah. you know, within the. Within this story, yeah. But yeah, it's, no, it's, it's, I think it shows lots of promise.
0: Good. It's always a challenge, isn't it, knowing um, where to start? And very often, I, I'm going. I think I'm going to make this comment actually with, with Len's submission. It feels a little bit as if he's writing himself into the story. Um, and certainly with a thriller, we want to start in Top Gear. We just we, we just want to hit be hit with it. But I mean, as you know, as a professional writer yourself, I mean, how how do you decide? How to write yourself in, and when you're, you know, when you're up to speed, it's, it's it's quite difficult.
2: It is it's a tricky one, and I think a lot of writers write the first chapter and then leave it out. You know, <laughs> you yeah. just leave it out and get and start in the second one. I'm um, one of the th- one of the tricks is just to start as late as possible in the story. As late as you possibly can, and leave oh. as as early as you can. So you know, some some writers will end up with four or five, you know, endings to their story. That's and it's another trick on the other end is to leave early, just tie up the threads and go. That's great. Um, and yeah, yeah so I think I think just start as late as you yeah. can in in the action, particularly for a thriller. Hmm. Um, you know get us
3: there
4: mm.
2: and and hook us in and then you know and then as Certainly. soon as if you've done that then we'll then we'll we will forgive a little bit of slower stuff in the second chapter you know yes <laughs> you, yeah we can, we can catch our breath
0: that. yeah and uh no yeah. uh find out you know a little bit about the world and so on that's great advice good writing things already fantastic so pleased you did get up at what half past three in the morning uh-huh <laughs> so matt first reactions please
5: um, I'm, I'm, I'm with everyone on this. I thought the prologue, I'm going the wrong direction here. Uh, I thought the prologue was far more interesting than the chapter. The chapter had, well, it seemed to be going for kind of a hyacinth Leonard vibe, um, which yes. I very much appreciate and I read, but it didn't quite work with that. There's a it needs to be a little poppier. If you're going to we go We need more of a Michael of...
0: Connolly vibe, don't we really? Because right. this is this is and a big big sort of genre, isn't it? It's, you know, it's legal right. thrillers told to, from the point of view of, of the lawyer, whether it's Mickey Haller or um oh, I don't know who else is uh, Rudy Basler isn't it, as well. John Grisham. Well, but and this it's
5: it's a Florida lawyer, so it's it's more learned, yeah. isn't it?
0: <laughs> there you go. Yeah.
5: <laughs> and that course. means you've got it's got to be snappy and poppy and this wasn't popping and it wasn't snappy. Now the the prologue was nicely visual. Yeah. Um. Uh, it could have been a little bit more sensual, perhaps, but it, it was. It, it worked. I could see every time he snapped a. You know, when he's both times when he snapped his, his match and, and lit up the flare. I could see that scene, and I liked that scene. Um, yes. I just think the problem with a with a thriller is if you take it, if you're going along at seven, and then in the prologue, and then you go to chapter one and you drop it down to four you just lost a lot of your audience you need to ratchet it up to nine so we need something just to pop 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 it to snap off the page and you can do that without having much action if you've got this really snappy elmore leonard dialogue going on
0: Hmm. yeah
5: but the easier way is action of course but you can do it if you can really pull that off and he just he wasn't quite doing that The, the dialogue wasn't particularly strong. What was strong was the the prologue. He needs more of that. That would be my suggestion.
0: Yeah, let's just talk about dialogue for a sec, because that was one of the first things that Lee said, and um, dialogue, dialogue, dialogue. I mean some people are just naturally good at dialogue. Other, Other writers have to work quite hard at it. Have either of you ever had the mortifying experience of actually reading a transcript of anything, you know, any sort of conversation you've ever had? I mean, it, it oh, yeah. is truly—it's mortifying. You think I'm—I'm I'm a complete gibbering idiot. Actually, I don't talk in complete <laughs> sentences, you know. And so you can't, as you say, Lee, you actually—you can't really provide totally realistic dialogue, can you? Because it—it it, it doesn't connect. It's kind of—it's sort of, you know—it's—it's it's sporadic. How do you handle dialogue?
2: Oh. Yeah, it's a tricky. It's tricky, mm. isn't it? Uh, one of the things I think is uh, that, well, first of all, I think getting rid of all of the, you know, well, and who, you know, and and the, and only use sort of those those mod those words um, placeholders yeah. when you absolutely need them. Um, don't use too many. Don't use too many uh. names. <laughs> but um, one of the things I tell my, my young my students is, um, you know, the youth that I work with is is you know eavesdrop on actual conversation. And, and, mm. and listen for the flavor of those words. I think, you know, and I think also one of the things is if you're going to write shouted someone, or I mean, um, um, Lynn hasn't done this, but if you're going to write shouted someone or something, that, that the whole intensity needs to be actually in the words, in the dialogue. So, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah th- there's a there's a it lot of, there's a lot of work around getting your dialogue right, and it's such a vital part of that. So it is, it is. But
0: people don't always um, understand that and, because they think, well, I'm, I talk all day long, so obviously I can do dialogue. And actually, it's quite a subtle skill. It's a subtle skill. Uh, fascinating insight, thank you, Lee. Uh, remember to push your buttons. Press Press your vote push button. The button. Yeah, push a button, and the, we will look at the uh, the overall numbers now. Um, we've got just one vote to come in at the moment, that's from Lee. so hold your breath, Len. you've got a minimum of 42,
2: well,
0: have you got the voting page there?
2: Yeah, I have, I'm Good. just trying to okay. think, I've just, have, it took me a bit to make a decision.
0: Okay, Is well you, th- you, you think about it, we'll check out what's happening in the, in the genius room, read the dialogue Did it around. not go through? It'll take uh, four or five seconds to to catch up. It's got a long way to travel from New Zealand, and it's very early in the morning down there too, so the data is a little bit slow. Um, Hannah's got a great sim- <laughs> simple advice, actually it says, read the dialogue aloud. It's very sensible, read the dialogue aloud. Let's look at the numbers. Or
5: also have somebody read it to you. Have somebody read yes. your dialogue back to you, then you yeah. can really hear. Because when you write it, you think, oh, this is the this is the cadence. But yeah. that isn't the cadence that's on the page, necessarily.
0: Yeah. So. Do either of you have your either of you used um, you know sort of read me aloud feature on on Word or some of these word processing programs? Does that work for for you at all, or do, is it just an abomination?
2: I, I, use, I use it. Friends. I use it to check the proof the proofreading. Absolutely, oh, I do. do you? Yeah, oh, I, wow. yeah. 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 Um, it's a bit stilted, but it it works for missing words and. Oh. things like that definitely I, but I do think reading aloud is a really important part. You, you're using a different part of your brain to oh. to to assess the work so and I, yeah. and I think that's one of the beauties of having other people read it to read the section here um at pop-up submissions you know we just get a, a different feel for the yeah and I think that's probably useful for the writer as well to have that I
0: hope it to is to actually hear it I hope it is and one of the uh, one of the few instructions we actually give to our narrators it might be of interest for you to, to know this actually authors is if you stumble over any words you just leave it like that don't try and correct it don't 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 do any post-production don't edit it what it probably means is that you know you you've written a sentence or two that's quite difficult to read that's what it means and that's even that is quite useful feedback my final comment actually len please is, you know, this is a big, strong, majorly commercial genre you're writing in. And I would definitely encourage you to continue, actually, because I think, you know, the sky's the limit, really, for these things. Michael Connolly, for example. But at the moment, I'm not getting, not getting the, the USP for our hero, uh, Nick here. And I think, I think there's got to be something, just something really, you know, I mean... I'm not suggesting he practices out of the back of a Lincoln Continental, but it's just something like that. I think that would that would help a lot. Great. All right, we start with a 60, extremely creditable. Let's see what's next. Here we go. Submission number two. ...is from a character called Lex Black. And there's even a a QR code there, too, that you can scan and see where Mr Black wants you to go to. Be careful. You never know where it's going to lead. It's horror. It's dark fantasy. It's called Ravenous Shadow. And this is Lex Black's blurb. George is a veteran monster hunter of incredible skill and power. And he's in completely over his head. A hideous evil has come to a small town and unleashed a curse even he can not unravel. Now the dead walk. An unstoppable monster is rampaging across the countryside and George must try to save the populace while contending with the worst thing he can think of. His own darker nature incarnate. Oh my goodness gracious. Let me tell you about Mr Black. Um, I'm a lifelong fan and writer of sci-fi, fantasy and horror and refuse to apologise to anyone for it. <laughs> I, don't think, uh, I don't think you're, you're forced to apologise for that at the moment, I don't think. Uh, in my free time, I study a wide range of nerdy stuff like linguistics, anthropology and history. I also enjoy a wide range of music and games. I studied at a university my grandfather helped build the campus for, of and once briefly piloted a guided missile cruiser. Once briefly piloted a guide. Is that safe? (laughs) I believe kindness is a gift. So it is. Hate is a sickness. And as of this writing, I'm standing right behind you. Well, if you are, you'll know that you're about to have a fabulous reading by the equally fabulous Barbara.
6: Ravenous Shadow by Lex Black. Read by Barbara. George ran through the woods, chasing the dragon and composing a message in his mind. Telegalasha has nearly reached the town. Where the hell is my backup? The dragon struck a dead tree with a massive claw as it ran by, bringing it crashing down in the little old man's path. The old man vaulted over the pitted wood with a single leap, his absurd grace matching his impossible speed as he chased the monster. As George landed, he raced the curious device he carried. A shaft of wood adorned with a metal blade and a trigger. At once an axe and a gun. Red light glowed in seven strange runes running along the top of the handle. The old man pulled the trigger and fired a bolt of blue-white light from the gun barrel. It missed the monster by inches and struck a tree. A spray of flinders blasted over a scaled flank, wings covered in scorch marks and wounds dripping black blood. The runes dimmed when the weapon fired and glowed again, one at a time. Each with an ominous hum in a different tone. I have inflicted minor wounds, but the target is well outside my capacity to kill. Request three to assist at minimum. As he dodged around the trees, he held these frantic thoughts in his mind, insulating them in magic until he could send them out in the wizard's version of a carrier pigeon. Telagalasha rushed through the trees and undergrowth. It brought down small trees in its path and sent wildfires scattering in every direction. A midnight shadow crashed through daytime woods. Telagalasha did this to mock him. The dragon could easily outpace him or take wing or travel through its innate magic. Instead, it kept just out of reach, prolonging the chase. For all George's power, he couldn't stop it. Naturally, this pissed him off. So he ran, channelling frustration into resolve, sprinting and leaping through the woods faster than any normal human could and composing a magical SOS in his mind. Just one of him against Alagalasha might not be a fair fight, but one plus twenty could be very entertaining. The seventh rune on the axe gun hummed and glowed. The old man took aim and fired. The blue-white energy lanced through the trees and smashed into dragon's back in a perfect shot. Telegalasha kept running, unimpeded. The axe gun, an antique weapon George had enchanted himself, fired projectiles that could blow a plate-sized hole in a human being. That shot might have scorched a few more of the dragon's scales. The edge of the woods came into view through the trees. Telegalasha slowed as it neared the tree line, striking at the limbless husk of a dead tree without looking back. The log toppled down over the old man as he finally closed the distance to the dragon. George planted his feet and swung his axe in an upward arc with both hands and the dry wood scattered into kindling. A pity no one gets to see me be amazing, he thought with bitter humour. He considered sending his message at that moment and lunging forward to strike. He could abandon restraint to leap on the dragon's back, lodge the bit of his axe in its eye and ask if he respected him then. Telegalasha stopped at the edge of the trees and stood looking at the field. George peered through the trees and his heart sank. A man wearing a straw hat, overalls, flannel shirt, and boots stood midway between the trees and the barn, hoeing a garden. A boy of no more than ten worked nearby, a hat the same size and style as the man's on his own head, comically oversized on him. George rushed forward, axe ready, panic in his heart. They had reached the town the dragon chose to come to, and every single person there would be at its mercy if the old man failed to... The dragon spun with the speed and grace of a predator as George reached it. One huge forepaw, armed with hateful claws, whipped up and smashed a wizard in the chest, flinging him backwards through the air.
0: So, George and the dragon, eh? Has a certain uh, resonance for those uh, uh, living in England. I wonder what the uh, genius room thinks to that. Let's have a good look. Um, So... Nice brisk opening. Dragon in the first line says, Hannah, I'm in. Um. RG says, is it safe to pilot a guided missile if it's brief? I don't know, (laughs) but maybe we'll find out from the author. Um, You know I'm going to say here, says RG, he'll say, straight into the action, I vote for nothing less. And he says, love that fancy axe gun weapon. We hint of world building. There's a little bit. I could do more world building, to be honest. Um, I like this a lot, says our narrator, Barbara. Um, It was easy and smooth to read. I would have read on. That's good. That's the, the main thing we want to know, actually, at this stage. Um... And he says, really well paced, it is very pacey. Uh, Johnny says, relentless pace here, well drafted. RG then asks something I've been wondering about, actually, why is it George, why is it the dragon, what's the significance there? Um, and then Pamela Joe says, Talagashi, I love dragon." dragon. Kind of has my sympathy, maybe we need to feel why he needs to be killed before this scene. And Stacy was thinking that too. Um... Some of the descriptions could be made snappy and say, says so all my, my comments have to do with form, mainly sentences. Uh, many sentences start the same. Sometimes we're told too much, i.e. Um, thought with bitter humor can go, we get it. Right. So did you find that innovating, Matt?
5: I did. Um, we've we've been talking um, about in Rex here quite a bit. And we have, here we are. Yeah. Um, yeah. A- it was it was well done now the one thing I would have liked to have seen a bit more of I really liked what we saw of George um, I thought it was it was a nice character coming out I would have liked to have known him a little bit met, better but it's 700 words and you know there's a dragon to run away from so and, and as someone mentions telegalashi also perhaps we could have known a little bit better but maybe that comes later uh, I, I overall though it was it was the, the pace was good um, the action was there. It was consistent. Um, it was it was well done. I was I was I was impressed. It was fast. and It was nice.
0: So, um, did you did you want to know more about the dragon or why the poor dragon is being pursued? To to I did want to know end? more about that.
5: That's what I would have liked to have known a little bit of. Uh, okay. but, I mean, I, I guess we don't. When we get too much backstory, we say, "Well, they're just giving us backstory." And so here yeah. I'm asking for the backstory cause, but somehow, just a, a couple lines on that would have been nice. And yeah. Um, why he's pursuing the dragon would have been nice, but it was I, I like the character. I just would have liked a little bit more out of it. so
0: yeah, yeah, all right but so, I do think is
5: and it, one of the things with, you know are we were we beginning at the right place? I think this is probably the right place.
0: okay, fair enough, good. all right. Um, so do you know where we are, Lee, do you know what's going on? Do you care?
2: <laughs> um, well, I want to because it's billed as horror, and certainly the the, the blurb read quite well as it's horror to me. Um, yeah, good blurb. Yeah, and I felt there were some stakes there, you know, and there's this deeper, darker, um, you know, um, inner, there's an inner conflict, there's an external conflict, um, the stakes were there, and it just it did have a nice horror feel. So, And then we jumped in, and it felt very fantasy, kind of mm. horror, mm. Um Comedy, sort of you know oh. I love that that line naturally this pissed him off that just and I wish it stopped there and had gone somewhere else and we you know I felt, felt yeah. that that was the the, it's the not, final it's not line the book you read
0: about in the blurb is it
2: no, no, it did not quite have it. There's just a little. Bit, it's just a little bit incongruous. Oh. Um, I, you know, and I liked. I, I agree with what everyone else said about it being pacey. And there was some absolutely wonderful, you know, imagery. You know, limbless husk of a dead tree. I could really see that. Um, and you can imagine that with the dragon. You know, <laughs> um, um, having a go at it. So definitely, it's a, it had a dark fantasy feel to me, rather than yeah pure horror. I mean, um, yeah. but, but horror is. You know, it's different things to different people. It's what, what frightens you. I think one of the things I'd like to say to to Lex is, um, I, the, I'm not sure the title really felt felt horror horror. It feels a little bit paranormal romance. I don't know why that is because both words yes. are fine. It's just together they seemed a little yes. bit paranormal romance. And I'm concerned a little bit too about um, this sort of jumping in and out. Like this old man, I thought, who's this old man? I, for, for a second I thought the old man might have been... Uh, just and i don't know why i did but it was the victim was the and then i thought no no yeah. that's actually george so it jumped out of omniscient and third person and i think you know does george refer to himself as an old man and how often is he going to call himself an old man he might in his head <laughs> oh you stupid old man maybe but it's not done like this on the page so yes. let's have a we think about that um that jumping out of jumping across perspectives you know is a little bit disconcerting especially in an action scene so i think that would be something i would consider yes. um you know polishing up but um yeah just yeah i enjoyed it i really enjoyed it do i want to read on yeah i think that the i think what's being said in the genius room is important we need to know why um just killing a few trees you know burning mm. a few trees is and is not necessarily the reason why you know if we've known that this dragon had done something else and um, then we might understand that yeah. it, it needs to die.
0: So Alex is asking do I need to change the blurb? So do you I, I, it's easier to change the blurb rather than change the whole manuscript assuming you've got the whole manuscript written of course. <laughs> But um, from my point of view, um, it felt a bit bland. I have to say, it felt a bit bland to begin with. And um, there's kind of magic going on. And you know, George and the Dragon does have a sig- particular significance, I think, for a lot of English people. Um, we're definitely into into the world of fantasy rather than horror. Um, and I, I I needed more setting, really. It got a slight postmodern feel to it as well, which I didn't mind too much, actually. You know, a little bit of self-referential humour going on. That was quite good too. But that for me, that's not not close to horror so i think i think i think it's a, it's a bit defocused really in, in terms of you know the genre on the execution let's look at the numbers 52 oh, so, sorry oh, no what you've got 52 so far and we all we we wait for the next few seconds while we there we oh my god that's good wow <laughs> i hope you're very pleased with yourself mr black um you got a you got a pretty impressive 67 there that's very very good fantastic feedback he says thank you everyone i'll treat this the way i do all my work sets manuscript on fire (laughs) okay (laughs) all right i can smell it from here do you think we should have a word with um with lee before we have a look at the uh the next submission i think we should do actually yes in fact i tell you what we're going to do we're going to do this Lee Murray nothing if not busy what on earth are you up to now look at this It was a rather gorgeous piece of art here attack from the 80s
2: um yeah it's got two covers actually here's the hardcover um version oh, okay. uh, I have a short story in this one actually there There's we go gorgeous. and you can open these little doors let me see if I can this one here is the um oh. Oh, this was from last year i picked oh. up one of four and so that they have a little thing on the inside so that's um, the nicest yeah, trophy so i've
0: ever seen that's so it's, it's so gorgeous, much better than a block of plastic isn't it
2: It really they're as heavy as heavy too so getting it home in my baggage was yeah quite 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 the feat
0: i'll, 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 I'll bet how many of those have you got
2: I have four you so this four year I won for the short story that that ha- that appears wow. in attack of the ages and I also won yeah. for um, tortured willows for poetry so that was oh it. so I have goodness. four in four categories now anyway yes so well, that's you'll have what to get a larger, a, a larger house time. to put
0: all those things in won't you all those awards because they just, they are just <laughs> yeah. stunningly beautiful actually that's extremely Thank cool you. extremely cool let's go back to the to this because I need to tell everyone that there is actually a link if you just type that into your browser now com, you will go through straight to the amazon buy page so um you've got a an award winning short story in there there are 20 more as well i think about 20 in total and what what's the basic theme then
2: it's horror it's 80s horror so it's a little bit fun and um, my my story is basically about a um uh well it's sort of biographical this kind of bridezilla story you know um, going to the hairdressers to do that trial before you get married and it was the big perm period and um, yes oh um, oh my God, uh, god yeah
0: I remember. Yeah, it's a bit my, a juicer tale. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. So, I mean, so, the 80s, are, yeah. you're, you're obviously too young to have experienced me yourself. But I mean, the 80s, I mean, it's, uh, there was quite an it's sort of nostalgia, isn't it? Nostalgia tinged with blood. So it's, it's a good combination. I love that. I love it that. is a
2: good combination. Yeah,
0: and it's also 8 bit horror and it's synth wave. And I, I, the 80s are kind of having a bit of a comeback, aren't they?
2: They certainly are, yes, they are. So I enjoyed writing that one. It was fun.
0: That's terrific. Fantastic. I think that's so cool. I think that is so cool. And hopefully this is very cool too. It's submission number three from Claire. I think Claire is with us today. Hello, Claire. How are you? It's mystery slash thriller. You've got a QR code there, too, so you can see uh, something about Claire's website. Or it might be her Twitter feed, or we don't know. It's a magical mystery tour, if you, if you scan that. Um, and it's called Black G- Glaze. Not Glaze, Black Glaze. And this is Claire's blurb. Sylvia Lancer, an aristocrat, built an international reputation as an art restorer. But Joanna, the love of his life, married his best friend. In Black Glaze, he's emerged from a deep depression. Reawakening, he longs to repair his ties to his lands and build a life with Joanna. But first, they must unravel a mystery of forged Greek vases, whose violent owners threatened the of family, and whose history leads straight to Sylvia's grandfather. Let me tell about you, Claire. Um, an author, a consultant, she received master's degrees from the University of Virginia in Anthropology and Italian Literature. And has worked on excavations in Sicily at the Peggy Guggenheim Collection in Venice. Hmm. Um, when not working on her current novel, she advises clients on ethno- ethnography, philanthropy and non-profit strategy. Her first mystery, part of a series set in Sicily, and focused on art crime, I I think that's a fascinating uh, subject to write about, actually, Um, is out on submission. Her first short story, The Blue Water, was published in the journal Prairie Fire in 2020. In June 2022, she was awarded a fellowship at the Virginia Centre for Creative Arts. So, you're really serious, and I think you deserve this incredibly serious but good reading from Beverly.
7: Blank Glaze by Claire Thompson, read by Bev Rome, Italy, present day Principe Silvio Lanza pushed open his balcony doors to let the morning light shine on the Archil Gorky painting he'd just restored. He let his eyes skim the canvas, alert for imperfections. Cleaned and repaired, the colours Archiel Gorky had laid down decades before glowed as if newly painted, A coat of varnish would complete the job. Che bella! This was his best work yet, and he felt a deep sense of contentment fill his chest. For too long after Joanna, he'd let melancholy overtake him, until he'd begun to doubt his hand and eye, turning away commissions for fear he'd lost his touch. Basta! He'd completed the difficult restoration with time to spare, and the result was frankly... Glorious, a real gorky besides most definitely genuine, a coveted prize, sure to bring an excellent price, though he said it himself with a grin, he stretched his arms over his head to push the kinks out of his fingers in preparation for the day's work. A hint of summer breeze caressed his cheek, waft in scents of roasting coffee and exhaust. He stepped out on the balcony where a chorus of squawking horns and half-meant curses told him Rome was awake and going about its business. He felt his adopted city buzz with energy, echoing his own delight in the arrival of summer. As he watched, a parade of figures appeared like extras in a much-beloved opera, ready to fill the stage to the opening notes of the overture. Silvio lifted an imaginary baton and pointed, stage left. La Signora Carolina came rolling through the crowd like a travel-worn sailor, her sensible black shoes laced tight, gripping the uneven pavement as if it were a deck heaving in a storm. Her scarf furled under her chin like a well-trimmed spinnaker. With one hand she pressed a battered handbag to her bosom. With the other, she clutched the handle of a shopping cart that bumped along the cobblestones like a dinghy behind a barge. Silvio saw the virtuous matron every morning as she hauled her day's shopping across the piazza, headed home to prepare the family meal with the freshest ingredients. Silvio turned to stage right. Ella, Deputato Michelini, always late to his desk at the ministry, burst from a side street. Pushing past the Signora, he shot his cuff to show off a sparkling watch and motioned to the aide who trailed him, passing him papers and carrying his umbrella. The General, off to defend the realm from enemies real and imagined. Silvio smirked. Michelini had been indicted for corruption last month, but was apparently still at large. Now Silvio waited for his favourite to stride onto centre stage. La! Sargenti Finazzo stepped to his post, a raised block from which he directed traffic. His brass buttons shining and his blue and red uniform pressed in knife-like creases. He blew his whistle and raised his white-gloved hands to give direction. Everyone ignored him. A flash of movement and colour caught his eye and he turned back to the balcony. Down in the piazza, a woman in a summer dress was walking towards the Pantheon, her blonde streaked hair bouncing on her shoulders. She weaved through the morning traffic with purpose, hips swimming just an elegant bit and sandals tapping on the cobbles, her straw bag swinging. The sight of her brought a familiar rush of desire. He gripped the railing about to call out when a taxi driver laid an arm on his horn. Then the woman turned. It was not Joanna. It was only a beautiful stranger in a yellow dress, strolling under a lapis lazuli sky. The thought of his love so near, even in imagination, knocked him back. All his banished longing and disappointment washing over him like a wave. He groped for a chair behind him and sat down. A vision of their final evening in Venice came unbidden. He'd taken Joanna to her favourite spot, Bar Cipriano, and they'd sat by candlelight along the water. He remembered the shrimp light as air, the taste of sun-ripened peaches on his tongue, and the lap of water against the dock. Prepared to ask Joanna to join him in Rome, Or even in Sicily, he'd stashed a gold bracelet in a box tied with sea-green ribbon in his jacket pocket. Clearing his throat, he'd looked up to see Joanna's eyes filled, not with love or even lust, but with that most hated emotion, pity. As she told him their affair would have to end, he'd felt his heart drop to the pavement, then he'd leapt from his chair to vomit in the canal. When He returned to the table, she'd gone.
0: Canal vomiting. I think I'd leave as well, to be honest. Um, right, that is very, very interesting submission. I uh, just clarify one thing that uh, the, the, the genre that Claire gave us is mystery slash thriller, right? So it's not horror, it, and this show is about thrillers too. So let's see what the genius room have been saying. Um No. Yeah, Annie Annie kicked it off for me, actually, saying, this has a nice, cosy feel. It's got that sort of uh, feeling to it, hasn't it? Quite slow for the beginning of a mystery or horror, yeah. So, Stacey, I I feel no sense of suspense, and these are shot in the arm, same comment, really, from Johnny. Now, Vagabond also I think nails it for me. We'll see what our panelists think in a moment. Feels more like a lovely A Year in Provence novel, yeah, which was Peter Mayle a long time ago now, but it was was all about, you know, atmosphere and sort of a a travelogue by proxy really. Um, Reads like a love letter to an Italian street scene, says RG. Nicely written, though an ideal place to start the story. I think there's a knot there. Actually, I think that's uh, there's a knot missing there. Um, yeah, you did. Uh, Eva says, we're not in England. People don't carry umbrellas in sunny Rome. Possibly parasols? I don't know. Uh, and boom, well, there we have it, says Hannah Jo. Blood streaked her. We're kind of waiting for something like that. Protagonist feels real. It's a bit slow, says Annie, but I'd stick with it. Um, and Vagabond just don't feel this starts in the right place. Hannah, writing's good. Pace is slow for an opening, even if I think of it as a romance novel. And Argy says not getting the correct genre from this either. Um, not even parasols was even corrected by either. Um, a, a shame it's so slow and whimsical because this writer knows how to paint a good picture with words. Right, I'm sure we'll say a lot about this. What were your first reactions, Lee?
2: Um, I think similar to everyone else's, uh, I think that the the genre doesn't quite reflect what we're reading. It felt very cozy. I think that's a really mm. good comment But me andre um, um, I was I was kind of confused like some other people from the blurb. I was ex- you know, how do you build a life with someone who, you know, is married to your best friend, you know, and then so so also his motivation seemed a little bit off, so I really loved the idea of an art crime, that just that was just, yes, I want to read that straight away Hmm. and then we started with a little bit of art, um, and i thought we might get some some insight a little bit into the restoration or something to intrigue us you know um how, what did this person know hmm. i mean it seems like his motivation was is to get the woman back that he's having an affair with and uh, uh, you know his best friend's his best friend's wife. Yeah, yeah. And also the the motivation is mercenary, you know, like it's going to make a good price. So, I don't know. I don't know if I like him particularly much. Maybe that's the problem. Um, there's something that yeah, it doesn't quite um but the sense of place was wonderful. Yes, I could smell yeah. the coffee and I could hear mm. the noise and absolutely. So, it does someone said it was a love affair and I to to an Italian street singer. I think that's actually very Accurate, yeah. Um, so it's just got a bit of an identity crisis going on here. I think that might be the the real issue. Um, and like is just, just, gets,
0: Claire's just um, said, I don't know if you saw that comment on screen, she's just said his best friend was murdered. So he's he's not the total out-and-out uh, out cad that? that you thought he was. No, you didn't know that. I didn't know that, know that either. <laughs> we need to know that.
2: We need to be in the blurb, yes. you know. Yes, um,
0: exactly. Yeah. yeah.
2: Um, so that there's a little bit of, you know, how is this related, you know. Um, yeah. I think that needs to be there. Yeah. I, yeah. That would have been helpful to know, Claire. Would I would have been. They yeah, would. Absolutely that would have, would have intrigued have us yes. a bit more. Yes, because mm. you,
0: you were getting quite upset about this character, weren't you? So um, I... I <laughs> <laughs> I don't like him at all. Um, so <laughs> I felt I don't, I'm not sure this is true um Ellie, but I felt um, I could have done with a, with a bit more scene setting in uh, the previous submission. Lex's I felt it's is, is a, a little bit sort of generic in a way, and I didn't know, really know where we are. I'm beginning to to think that maybe with this one we've got a bit too much scene setting. I don't know. What do you think? Um. Yeah.
2: Um. We could do to know a little bit more about the crime and the, yeah, you know how, yeah. how has you know how was yeah. he involved in this crime so yeah. why is he pulled in so that would be helpful yeah
0: yeah Good, excellent. Um, Italians are way too cool for parasols, says RG. Well, good, please. Uh, and he says, maybe start with him making a mistake during a restoration, something like that. That would be good, wouldn't it? Let's get us straight into it, rather than, you know, the, the travelogue picture that um, maybe, you know, thousands of books do start with. Um, is this your bag, Matt? Um,
5: uh, it, I think it would be, I think the, you'd have a problem classing this as a, as a um, thriller. Um, Mm. a mystery thriller and then leading like this, the people who buy mystery thrillers are going to expect a certain out of the gate, um, pace. And this didn't have that. This is actually working against that. Um, Mm. as a romance, it it was, it was nicely done. Um, but I don't think you want to miscast it like that. I also think that, um, we didn't really, I mean, I like very much the the writing was lovely, you know, Mm. um, the blurb I found very confusing. Um, I wasn't a fan of the blurb, yeah. and I'm not sure that this this worked as well as it could have. I I think there's a lot of. Listen, I think she really knows how to write. This is it was yeah. well done. I just yeah. wish it had been aimed a little. So maybe we're starting yeah. at the wrong place.
0: Yeah,
5: and like completely at the wrong place.
0: Yeah, because scene setting it's a sort right. of a, a paradisical day in Rome, isn't it really? Right. Um, this is
5: almost like the the the, the writer is trying to set herself in the scene, and this is what I want it to feel like, and these sorts of mm. things. And then off of that, you base your scene. Um, mm. Although this is probably isn't the right place to start. We need to start with, I mean, art theft is, art crime is, is wonderful. It's wonderful. It's, it's it totally great, is. Interesting, fascinating. Yes, yes. And this wasn't that. This yes. was just, meh
0: yeah that's you know. right yeah um i i i suspect that close with us at the moment, so it would be very interesting to to get your comments claim i suspect you, you know you felt you had to sort of ease us into the the time and the place actually you can do that really really easily and simply and powerfully using far fewer words um you know just just a, a two or three sentences actually just just can capture the essence of it and it's what what i constantly stress and in huddles and various other places you know more meaning from fewer words the 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 cookie as far as i was concerned um and that's another term i use for something that has an emotional impact there's only really one cookie there uh, and that was right at the end you know when when you got that 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 feeling of of pity from the objective as his love and desire i thought that was great but it was a long time coming for me super helpful comments thank you thank you very much claire let's look at the numbers And who hasn't voted? It's Matt. this time. I I have to to get on with these people so much. I have to nag them. Here we go. We're going to sit and wait until Matt's done it. Actually, we're going to look at the uh, Genius Room. Thank you very much. Um, Bingo, uh, says uh, Pamela Joe. Bingo, Matt. This is scene setting rather than setting stakes and moving plot forward. Um, Stacey says, maybe it has thriller elements. Maybe a romance thriller. That might be a better genre, actually, I agree. And I so said, I'd be fine with lovely scene setting in paragraph one if I get hit with something big for a hint um, or a hint of something big in paragraph two. How true that is. Overall numbers. You got a 60. Very creditable, Claire. Uh, Claire says, I checked the prologue. Good. <laughs> I hate prologues. Uh, 90% of prologues, uh, which describe the crime that births all this. Maybe he needs to go back mm. and check out much, much of the detail. And what do we think about that, guys?
5: I don't think you need to get rid of the detail. It's just maybe not all at once. And, and, and we can learn about Rome a little bit, as you do when you're mm. in Rome. You learn about it a little, mm. little bit each day you know you fall in love very slowly with rome and hmm. quickly hmm. <laughs> but um <laughs> it's a it, it, to but yeah i think if we start with a murder then that says thriller to me and it Talk may about. even say romance thriller if that's a better um yes a better genre a
0: cream passionately. late
2: uh, it might. It might work. It's hmm. hard to know. It depends how you introduce it. Are you going to introduce it in the scene, or as a pro- I don't know about the prologue? Um, it, it's actually, thrillers work with a prologue. I don't just call it a prologue. I just make it chapter one. Oh, <laughs> I that's don't fine. Kind of always agree agree with Pete that you know you <laughs> can't have a prologue. You just call it uh, chapter one. You know. There you go. Um, there you go. There
0: you go. But, uh, <laughs> Objection overruled.
2: <but> <laughs> <laughs> depends how you introduce that information um and it could be it could be part of that first section about you know the the you know that there's all this interest in 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 that because mm. of the recent crime, so maybe that's part of it. I don't know. I don't yeah. know. Um, it depends of the murder, how the murder relates, and if they know that yet. So mm. I'm not sure. I can't really say yes, do it or don't do it because I don't know the details.
0: Yeah, I think I think thing thing is also. I mean, just think about it. We, you know, part of the the many many multiple joys of reading, the, the, it does transport us to a different place, time, you know, complete experience. And actually, you know, do we really want that in Rome? I mean. I think it's much more interesting, really, to to go into this strange, shadowy, shady world of billionaire art fraud. That's much more interesting to, to, to get into. I think we all feel excited about that. Well, and, and if you
5: look at this, this had kind of a Wes Anderson opening, right, to it? Yes. Where you meet, you're, you're standing in this one place and you meet the main character, and then you meet the secondary character and the third character and the fourth, and they just kind of parade past you in their bizarreness. Um, mm. But they weren't necessarily bizarre here, so Mm. it it was a Wes Anderson without the humor, I guess. They had strange umbrellas,
0: though. Maybe that was (laughs) a sign of something to come. (laughs) We don't know, but Eva picked that up, and Eva is is nothing if not uh, obsessive about verisimilitude. We move on to the next submission of the day. And here we are. Submission number four. It's called The Restoration. That comes from Tim. It's horror! Oh, that's right up Lee Street. Horror, yes. Hello Tim. Nice to have you along. And this is Tim's blurb. In the wake of their father's death, two estranged brothers agree to restore the crumbling castle they've inherited in rural Ireland with the hope of redeveloping it into a luxury hotel. They try to put aside their differences so they can renovate the property and make a quick profit. But as the restoration drags on, they dig up more than just the skeletons of their past. Wow. Oh, I like that. like the idea. I like the idea a lot. like the blurb a lot too. Don't often say that. I like that blurb. Uh, about Tim. I've been writing fiction for the last two decades, focusing on short stories and spec screenplays. Ooh, that's hard. (laughs) That's very hard, actually, Tim. Um, I was lucky enough to get a few scripts through the doors of UK production companies for first and second reads, but never quite cracked getting my work optioned. Well, it's it's the toughest way to to get in. I could talk more about that if you want, but... I'm not here to do that, we're actually here to hear oh your, your, your work. I set myself the challenge of writing long-form fiction during the COVID-19 lockdowns and the restoration as a result. It's inspired by the many summers I spent in Ireland as a child, visiting my extended family in Dublin, Wicklow and Cork. I work as an IT consultant. I live with my wife and cat in a cottage in North Wales. I'm currently writing my second novel, A Folk Horror, set in the Outer Hebrides, where I'm trying my hardest not to rewrite The Wicker Man. (laughs) A classic, that is. Go on, rewrite it. Why not? I'm sure it'll bear it. Uh, And this reading, of course, from Emily, is also a classic. (laughs)
4: The Restoration by Tim, read by Emily 1. Matt, 1st of September Headlights breaking through the night, Matt and Natalie's four-by-four roared into the darkness, swallowing the road before them. Inside the car, Matt blinked his eyes once, twice, blearily trying to focus on the twisting country lanes, fighting a losing battle against four nights of broken sleep. Are you sure you'd want me to drive? asked Natalie. Matt glanced over at his wife, barely able to see her under the shawl she dropped herself in, the early autumn night colder than either of them had expected. I'm fine, he lied, gazing out through the windshield at the distant, moonlit horizon which never seemed to move. It can't be far now, he said, hoping that wasn't a lie too, because it had been a while since the last signpost, miles since he recognised any landmark. And in the black of rural night... Any childhood knowledge of these roads had long since deserted him. You know I would have been at the funeral if I could, Natalie asked, and Matt could feel her hand reach out to his. I feel so bad missing it. Matt nodded, though his mind was no longer in the car with his wife. Instead, it had fallen back to the graveyard, to the funeral rites, delivered in one long dirge by a seemingly resentful priest, to the order of service, where the only picture he could find of his father was one so stern and unforgiving A face of granite judging him still. Then to the wake, where Irish born but American made, Matt had huddled alone in the corner of a Guinness stained pub, the music around him growing faster while his world shrunk from view. He'd drained his glass, only for another to magically appear. For your da, son. He'd drained it again, only for it to refill once more. A great man, your father. Misunderstood, but one of life's true characters. It's fine. Back in the car, Matt's voice came out choked. They do things so fast over here, that's all, even quicker than in the States. He moved his hand out from under Natalie's and turned up the stereo, so the music, which had been bubbling away since he'd picked up his wife and the car at Cork Airport, could drown out his thoughts. Strange, isn't it? said Natalie, how they rush things. It's like they're in such a hurry to say goodbye. Matt nodded again, though in reality he wasn't listening to her. Instead, He was fighting back the tears which had taken him by surprise so many times over the last couple of days. Back in his birthplace, jet-lagged and aching with the three-day sprint from Patrick's death to his burial, Matt was exhausted, still in shock. His father was dead, his parents were gone, and so was his safety net, leaving him swimming in the fear and the freedom of what that really means. Matt tried to focus on the first few bars of the song playing on the radio, the piano intro to Elvis Costello's Oliver's Army chiming through the speakers. Jack loved the song growing up. He smiled with memory and turned up the music. Played it every summer he visited. Dad hated it. Any mention of Cromwell or the English would set him off, so Jack just kept playing it more. That sounds like your brother, Natalie shifted in her seat. And what happened with him yesterday? Why isn't he travelling down to the cottage with us? Matt thought back to last night as his with his inhibitions loosened by alcohol and fatigue, he'd eventually allowed himself to be swept into the swirling, spinning circle the wake had become. With his pint of Guinness removed from his hands, with his jacket slipped from his shoulders, Matt had soon become part of the music, part of the stamping feet and the ring of dancers all smiling and laughing and willing him on. And if he didn't know the moves, it didn't matter. If he didn't know the songs of the beat, nobody really cared. Until he saw that pale, dead-eyed face in the crowd. His father... His brother, the worst of them both.
0: Pretty good comments there, Tim in the genius room. Let's have a look straight away. Um, I, the thing that catches my straight away, of course, is Hannah's last uh, comment. Uh, I'd definitely read on. That's what we want to know, guys. Would you? Hannah would definitely read on. Johnny says sharp, no relation, no relation to Alistair Crowley. <laughs> Now who who who's accused you of that? It's not even spelt the same way, Tim. Um, so uh, now that may be the only stuff that really sounds like horror. This is very interesting because yeah, Tim's given us just horror as the genre. So Lee is clearly the 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 person right at the centre of this. Um, a friend of mine sir was in the WM. He was the fiddler in the pub. What's that? Um, RG says something interesting, this is why we call it the genius room, you know, you you throw out the most recondite question or subject, and someone knows all about it there. RG says, I lived in a castle for the first few months of the lockdown, and have a real fondness for castles. Had a ghost in my bedroom. Doesn't get better than that, does it really? Instantly engaging, says Annie, smooth. Hannah says, um, just round the bend, I can say that because I'm Irish. I don't know what that means, but I think it's something positive. I agree. Blurbs interesting, says Jeff. Hannah, like this writing. Writing's gripping, says Eva. Eva doesn't always say nice things about submissions, but she likes this. Horror story that starts a night in the country. Yay, says Vagabond. And a great voice, very confident writing. Uh, Jeff likes it. Pamela Joe, very hooky. I'm in um good insertion of uh, hannah notices this good insertion of backstory within the action and dialogue of the scene hannah would definitely read on very strong submission tells us all we need to know no waffle says rg hmm so we we have to speak to lee don't we and and get her first reactions
2: yeah (laughs) i love it yes i would read on um i'm probably a bit biased because this is my genre and i love it it is always yeah i love the title is good um, mm. Says horror to me. Um, I think the the blurb was good. Uh, I felt the suspense. Mm. Um, the writing is very strong. Uh, definitely felt that loneliness. I I got mm. the Irish context without too much, you know. Um, you know, long what you know, long tracks of description. It was yeah, woven yeah. in there seamlessly, a high, you know, Guinness soaked pubs. I mean, that just gives you oh. that. gives you a feel straight there. So yeah, no, I really I really liked this and I think there's always space for a haunted house story. I mean oh, yes. they're just they're <laughs> just core to the horror, um, to the horror genre. Yes. So I think there's, yeah, and I love it. They're always generational as well as never just. So I think that that's set up nicely here, but in a way that's quite fresh. So, um, you know, and I, I, you know, it is the funeral, the post funeral is always, a it's it's not new. Um, but having done that, this this yeah. is a nice way to set it up. Yeah. One of the things, you know, every, there is a little bit of clutter still. Um, I think with with horror, you just really need to move away from the filtering, and there's still a little bit of that here, um, Mm. less than some of the other submissions, but there is still a little bit of filtering, and if we can just get it right in his POV, take the thoughts and the thoughts out, because we know it's his thoughts because he is the narrator. um, Mm -hmm. I think that that will that will polish it up a little bit more and then there's some other clutter and this is just a really this is me being really nicky picky but you know people when you say you know blink desires what else can you blink you know, that's just the, you know, I mean, and you know, I often read this, you know, like his heart pounded in his chest. And unless you are an alien, your heart always pounds in your chest. So, you know, uh, there's this kind of clutter that you could just get rid of. Just blink, you know, just blink. Don't We don't need to have his eyes blink. Just blink. We know yeah, what that is. It's totally. like nodding his head. We don't need to nod. I mean, what else can you nod? So it's just a place to look for. Um, clutter, and and the other one would be prepositions. You know, to look out through the window, mm. just look out the window, or look through mm. the window. You don't need Perfect. both those prepositions. It's a place to really tighten. I think with the horror, it needs to be quite intimate and and right in the character in the. The head of your protagonist and so mm. the more you can do that the more visceral the writing is but already this is a really strong submission i loved it
0: declutter it tim <clears throat> um that's that's the message from lee declutter it and you've heard how to do it as well which is pretty darn cool um sort of just uh, talking more more generally because uh, you know tim's obviously create an atmosphere here he's, he's, he's you know he's he's weaving the spell that you you horror writers start to weave so what sort of atmosphere and feeling do you want to get over typically when, when you when you start something like this 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 sort of story what, what do you what do you want the read do you want to, the reader to be feeling i don't know that something ghastly is going to happen some sort of prescience of of impending doom or or, or what
2: yeah, uh, that's a that's a good question, and I think with horror, you want to know you want to know that you're jumping into a horror novel straight away. I mean, you have mm. set it up as a horror blurb, so I think again that sort of um, that connection to the blurb, to the back cover. You know, people need to know that that's what they're getting. So having that sense of suspense in the beginning is. It's great but the first chapter is always tricky isn't it because it doesn't matter what the novel is you've got to get yeah. across who the key the key actor is you know what what their goal is um and here that's very clear where we're going off to you know we're going down to the place where you know yep. we were raised you know we come back to a funeral yeah um and you know what what that so what the inciting instance is and here we're also getting that sense of small town, isolation, mm. insularity. Mm. Um, so, no, I think that's a pretty good job, really. I mean, yeah. that's most of the things we want to get in those first chapters for any yeah. any genre novel, you know?
0: Yeah. It's strong, isn't it, actually? And I think, um, you know, that sense of place that you you just mentioned, I think that, yeah, that's there. And that's kind of the attraction of, of reading something like this because... It starts to connect in your in your head, and suddenly, you know that that place is also there. And you're doing your work, and you go, you know, catching the train to work, and all the rest of it. But that place is is also there in your head while you're reading the book, and there's a place you can go back to when you start reading again. And I I love that. That's one of one of the great many many perks of reading. Um, thank you very much, says Claire. Fantastic. Thank you, Emily, for the read. Great job, says Tim. Absolutely, of course it was. And uh, may I just point out. May I just point out that Pamela Jo was also ghosted in a castle. <laughs> I think your stay sounds more fun. So we've got two genii now who've stayed in castles and been ghosted. How cool is that or what? What do you think, Matt?
5: Well, the one thing I would I, I didn't, I mean, I, I liked it very much. You can see the scores are very high. Um, I would, I didn't feel an ominous sense to this opening mm. paragraph. Um, chapter, mm. and I would have wanted that it, to, to raise it to the next level. There should have been something that was telling me, "Yeah, very very bad things are about to happen," and I didn't get that sense. I got yeah. this was a a, a a really charming opening sense, and it's it's a, it's a not atypical scene. You're driving late at night, you're blinking yourself awake, these sorts of things, yes. but I didn't get the sense that all hell literally is about to to break yeah. loose, you know, and Maybe some kind of undercurrent there yeah. that would that would uh, take us to that spot would have yeah. would have worked a little bit more. Yeah. But as I said, you know the the, the, the numbers are very high.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I I would like that a little bit more too. I think I'd just like to feel like that. Like you you've hit the nail on the head there, actually, for me, Matt. I think it's it's that that ominous quality, inexorable mm-hmm. ominous. You know, something bad's going to happen, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, which is of course good to use uh, from our point of view. Let's look at the numbers. Oh, I say, Tim. Well, right, you're not going to go away disappointed, are you? 75. That's pretty darn good. However, we do have one more submission today. So, we don't yet know who uh, this week's winner is. Submission number 5 today comes from Ryan. Hello, Ryan. It's adventure slash thriller, all right? Adventure slash thriller, and it's called Marigold. This is Ryan's blurb. Something lurks within the Amazon's most remote jungle, and it's about to be unleashed. The Aztecs called it burning water, but the rest of humanity will know it as something much worse. One simple message is the key one word, one chance, a warning. The problem is, nobody understands what it means. Ethan Kane might, but he'll have to stay alive long enough to do something about it. And This is about Ryan. Ryan grew up in Maine, went to the University of Hawaii. Aloha. uh, Where he worked as a scuba instructor and studied history. After graduating, he joined the US Navy and became a helicopter pilot. Ryan served 15 years commanding tactical law enforcement teams throughout Central and South America. Wow, great experience. Uh, Combating transnational organised crime, drug cartels and human trafficking. What are life insurance premiums like down there? Ryan sustained a career-ending injury during an emergency landing that removed him from flight status. He continues working for the Department of Defence, managing prototype aircraft development contracts. He holds a Master's degree in history from Ashland University. Ryan lives in Maryland with his wife and son, Ethan. Well, that's uh, that's quite a lot of uh, experience you've packed into to one life, and uh, quite a lot of reading. We're going to pack in right now with this from Jeff.
3: Marigold by Ryan, read by Jeff. Prologue, October five, Rio Negro, region of the Amazonas. One of the few things more rare than blue gold or pink cocaine is someone crazy enough to infiltrate the deadliest drug cartel on the planet. Special Agent Owen Webb had been undercover before, proving himself a rising star at the Drug Enforcement Agency. He climbed through the ranks with a steadfast determination and a calm demeanour. This assignment would throw all that out the window. Still coming down after the last bump, his teeth itched and his legs impatiently buzzed. He couldn't tell if the sweat beating off his chin, soaking through his stained t-shirt, was from the cocaine or the heat. The Amazonas cooks like an oven this time of year. Damp air suffocated Webb with a stagnant heaviness. It didn't smell like a beautiful Garden of Eden. That's for the tourists and the armchair activists. The real Amazonas was an unforgiving place, surrounding yet isolated. A sharp stench of rotten decay permeated throughout. Everything here was either dead or dying. It just didn't know it yet. Webb had used narcotics while on a job before, but only enough to look believable. Here, he took them out of necessity to hold back the nerves. A while Argentine descent, his neutral skin and bony nose framed a pair of dark brown eyes, deep set. His jet black hair hung in front of his eyes like the thick woody vines of the rainforest. But they couldn't hide the panic from what he'd uncovered in the last few weeks. The Land Rover bounced and navigated the Spartan Trail. From the back right seat, Webb monitored the other three people in the car out of the corner of his eye. With no inkling of his intention, they continued a mindless dialogue. Cartel thugs. Not what one would think of them. They didn't sport tattoos, gold chains or skinheads. They all wore dirty old clothes, each with their own unique neglect of personal grooming. Like the Amazonas, they too possessed an unpleasant odour. Webb slid his right hand down into the pocket of his jeans. The buttons of his dated Blackberry-style cell phone felt as natural to him as piano keys to the classic pianist. Carelessness would get his treason discovered. He saw what happened to Tracers, the gruesome images had stained his mind, and no amount of drugs could wipe it away. Ten minutes passed, like ten days. His fingers plucked away, typing eight simple letters. It's all he had time for now. He had been repeating the word in his head for the last six hours, waiting until the satellite communicator planted a few days ago came into Bluetooth range. There would only be a single chance to warn them. He pressed send. He couldn't risk getting caught checking the phone by verifying what he sent. The evidence needed to be ditched if he wanted to see tomorrow. He had to live. I'm the only hope they have and they don't even know it. Webb's lungs strained to inhale against the suffocating pressure on his chest, the weight of responsibility. The tyres met smooth ground, and the sudden lack of movement cradling him to sleep jerked Webb awake. A merciless hand scarcely slapped his left leg. Carrion Vamos. He exited the car and called back, Chicos tengo que ir al baño. He held the door to shroud him from the others, walking away as he unzipped his pants, pretending to go to the bathroom. With a slight of a magician, he retrieved the phone. He held back the desire to send a longer message, knowing they were always watching. His thumb hit send one more time for good measure. Webb zipped up his fly, closed the car door and walked to join an unknown fate. He left the phone to die under the fanning study ferns at the rainforest edge. Sent, the screen flashed in confirmation. Enveloped in a swarm of green, the jungle consumed the plastic device as if it had never existed. Just another victim of the Amazonas. Hash. The coffee farm wasn't like the photos hanging on the walls inside of Starbucks. Web thought of the millions of his fellow Americans sipping lattes, going on about their day, blissfully unaware.
0: And Thank you very much, Jeff. Another great reading. Um, So, straight to the genie eye. Um, I'm not wild about the the title Marigold. I think it's a bit too generic. And I think that's reflected in the views of the genie stream too. Eva, for example, says Marigold sounds more suitable to women's fiction. It is kind of. Uh, But then Stacey says, wow, love the blurb. Title does not say adventure thriller to me. So, yeah, I, I agree with that. I like the blurb. I didn't like the um the title the title needs to give us more thriller in the throw. says pamela joe i wouldn't pick it up even to look at the blurb <sighs> oh, well, that's not working for pamela joe i have to say i don't feel the title says rg makes me think of cleaning gloves yes yes i'm afraid so uh Vagabond says but then carrie was a horror yeah so you got in you got another sort of you know um the female name there carrie was horror and, and then they're talking about that. Marigold sounds like women's fiction. Blur mentions, mentions Ethan. Start with Owen, says Stacey. I can't relate to teeth itching or legs buzzing, says RG. Um, and Hannah says, at the moment, it sounds like a travel article. I think the used narcotics before would be a good place to start. Wouldn't it just, Annie? Um, that's an interesting line. And... Carrie Yeah, over this this question of marigold carry thing. Eva says, Yeah, Carrie does sound sinister. Marigold is sweet and I think that's that's absolutely right. And, but then they're talking about that a lot <laughs> whether, whether Carrie does sound sinister or whether it's just sinister because it's Stephen King um, maybe start about three or four paragraphs in, says Pamela Joe. not connecting with the character's emotions says Annie and uh, Hannah says towards the end, nothing's holding me however, Annie then concludes by saying, that last line is great what did you think Matt? Um, first of
5: all, I, I loved this blurb. Um, I did. The title didn't work for me, but I really loved the blurb, and mm. I was all in on the story. Mm. Um, he lost me a little bit, and I, I would think. Yeah, I was thinking as he was, as we were going through the first, as the opening. i was thinking, well, we have to lose the first couple paragraphs, perhaps. Um, but then I, I, I'm just not sure this was a scene. It it was a description of what would be a scene more than Mm. it was a scene in and of itself and i wanted because i really wanted this story i really wanted this story i love this blurb there's Mm. a lot going on here that i like Mm. a lot um it didn't come through in the writing and i think that that that's a shame i just think it's just it's it's probably just you know have another crack time Mm. um um because it's it's all there. It's, the story is clearly there from this blurb, but is, we need to yeah. punch into it.
0: Yeah, and and Ryan is the guy to do as well. I mean, I would I would um you know from all that experience is out. I, I I would just want actually I want I want more tech I just want to you know what, what exactly happens down there, guys uh, or Ryan. I mean, you know, you you are the person who's, who's lived like life. What for sixteen years? So you know, more veracity, more verisimilitude. Just just do a bit of a clunk click, as as I like to call it. What did you think there, Lee?
2: Yeah, I think I'm going to echo what Matt said. It, it didn't quite feel like it was a finished scene yet. Agree with what everyone said about the title. I think I wrote down children's middle grade novel about a rabbit. Um, feels like yes. it could be that. It could be. It know. could be. Very sweet. <laughs> um, with
0: drugs. Yeah.
2: yeah. Blurb was fantastic i mean i think if you can write your first chapter like you've written that blurb then you will you will have something really special so it's all there and certainly ryan i mean he is his protagonist right um he he has he's lived the life of his protagonist so i feel he has all of the all the know-how to put it to get it in there um and and to get it over the line so it's just not quite there yet um Uh, but ryan um and I, yeah i wasn't a bit confused about the owen and the ethan i was waiting for ethan and is owen another character a secondary character yeah. who is going to die and then ethan has to pick it up not sure not yeah. sure so i'm a little bit confused about um where the blurb why we've started here yeah. um and a little maybe is this there was also a plot hole, um, Ryan, and I, I don't know about this, but you've got you've got your chap pretending to urinate and he's looking at his phone and sending off the message and then he walks away and I don't think you would look back and he must have looked back because if he didn't look back he can't report the fact that the forest, you know, covers yes. over the the phone and you can't yes. see it. So there's a there's a do we trust your narrator? Who is the narrator? And I think there's a plot hole. We can't we don't see that, so you can't report it. You can't report what you don't but, see. There's got
0: to be very powerful urine to make the forest grow that quickly, I'd have thought. <laughs> um, but Pamela Joe also says, speaking as a parent, when you write, uh, when you write, you have to take off the verbal filter. Don't say went to the bathroom for drug dealers. Yeah. They don't. They don't go to the bathroom. They do something much more disgusting no. than that. Uh, yeah. OK. Right. So let's let's see what the numbers look like so far. I don't know. Oh, you've got a 59. You've got a 59 there, Ryan everyone loves your blurb um, but yeah there is that sort of discrepancy really that, that, that Lee's pointed out there um, but we both feel you're the we all feel that you're the right person to do this so what's the best advice in two, um, 30 seconds guys all three best advice to, to Ryan because he, he's obviously this is, a, this is a passion for him so uh, best advice what, what's you got to do throw it away start again or what let's be positive
2: Why don't you throw it away? Throw it away. Yeah. Just yeah. just write it and get in your character's head and and actually maybe a bit more direct thought might be better than the yes. than the yeah, um yeah. that will make it yeah, a little bit more suspenseful. Um and I think Pete had the right idea of get into the tech and um and the detail of it. Which you have those details, so so yeah. um, drawing on those will really do it. Um, I, I I think it's nearly there. It's just not. It's just yeah, just missing yeah. that 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 vital thriller element that you've got so well in the blurb. You've really done well there. So yes. if you could just carry that over into the writing,
0: fantastic. Be great. Good. Nearly there. That's brilliant. Let's. Um, oh, we have a shown yeah, if
5: you look at this scene, he needs to tell us that we need to know the scene what it looks like and feels like and smells like and, and, and just show us the scene. If it's a film, if you're describing the film, do that perhaps. Because um, yes. didn't, he didn't really let us live in the scene. He yeah. kept telling us about the scene. Yes. Um, so show us. Show us yes. exactly what's going on. And just quickly, yes. because frankly, the elements were there in this as well. They yeah. just didn't come through.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um,
5: which is a shame Good. because, it's, I mean, everyone here loved that blurb and we were ready for it
0: absolutely right that's that's very good i hope you're happy with that ryan you've got some uh, fantastic feedback uh from people who know what they're talking about let's see who's won the show yeah tim universal prize there everybody liked it congratulations tim I don't think you're quite winning on the monthly score at the moment, but you're pretty darn close if you're not. We'll have to check and uh, and see you uh, next week. I just want to say in our closing seconds, thank you so much, Lee, for getting up so early. I don't know what time of day it is in New Zealand right now. Is it like half past five or something like that? In the morning? <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> Are you going to go back to bed, or you got you got a full working day ahead of you? What's going to happen?
2: Oh, full day ahead. Full
0: day. Full yeah. steam ahead, I think. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Your advice and uh, support, actually, for writing, because for writers, because writing is not the easiest thing in the world to do, and it's kind of a solitary thing, and you work with aspiring writers. You know all about it, and it's just it's so nice to have you. I hope you'll come back soon, will you?
2: I would love to thank you
0: fantastic And Matt always always a pleasure indeed and a joy <clears throat> to have a writer and a journalist of your experience thank you so much for joining us and guys Thanks why travel. don't you why don't you join us mm-hmm. same time next Sunday nine no. hit it